it's, uh, it falls on my watch to sort of tie up this whole series of Exodus 1 to 18, big sort of theological preach. You're God's man, Thank you, thank you. <laughs> Obedience and using unlikely characters. Exodus. So my prayer this morning was one of thanks for God's grace to use us wherever, even if we don't think we're the man or the woman for the job. Thankfully, we can trust God to only put us in situations that he knows that we'll be able to cope with. And he can certainly use the most unlikely. My standing up here this morning is testimony to that. He can do things in all of us. So praise God for his grace. Okay. Who's going to new wine? Oh, look at that. Hands up, hands up. <coughs> Looking forward to it? Yeah. yeah. We're going to be getting our tents out, brushing them off, checking that we've got all the tent pegs, the poles, and all the rest of it. Going to be dusting off the old uh, flip-flops, <laughs> ready to kick back at new wine. Sounds good. Camping's great, isn't it? Like I, I used to be a bit of a sort of almost a, an anti-camper, and I hadn't. I've only been a couple of times before, and I'd say, "Oh no, you get a bit of a bad back. It's you know, it's not that comfortable." But I've actually, over the the times we've gone, I've actually really enjoyed it. It's been great. Um, I think the first the first camping we went um, as a family was actually to Creation Fest down in Cornwall, a Christian festival. And it's very sort of close to my heart because that's where, uh, on the 9th of August, 2010, that's where I gave my life to Jesus. That's where I, I laid down my, my stuff and I said, okay, Jesus, let's see what life can be like when I take a step of faith and I follow you. So that's this really close to my heart. It's close to our hearts. So, so a couple of years ago, sort of, what would it be, 2014, we went back and, you know, we set our tent up, we were down in a, a particular section, sort of away from the main, uh, the main sort of tent and everything, or where everything's happening, and we set up, and slowly you look down the, the row, and oh yeah, look, somebody else is setting up there, oh, somebody else has come in, and all these tents are coming up, and it, you start to feel the excitement of all being together, and, and even better that it's a, it's a Christian festival. These are all your brothers and sisters. It's pretty exciting stuff. So we had our first night. We went down to the, what they call the Big Shed. Yeah, listened to some worship music, great time, came back asleep. You know, it's great. I always worry about camping that you're not going to be able to get to sleep because it's, you're not in your usual environment. But peace is over you, and, and um, I, was, I was away, gone. And you wake up in the morning, and it's nice and fresh, the sun's just coming up, a bit of dew on the grass, and I sort of do the, the unzipping, zzz, everybody's tent, you know, it's a, it's a noise you only hear when you go camping, you know, it just says camping to me, so I got out of the tent, and I thought, okay, I'm going to go and have a, have a shower, so I got my flip-flops on, I got my shorts and my t-shirt, towel over my shoulder, my wash bag, and off I troop towards this beautiful bank of showers. So you know these ones that they bring in on a, on a trailer, really nice, and it's all set up, sparkling clean, and there's these 
aluminium steps that you go up into each cubicle. And they're all shared, you know, not as in the cubicle is a single. <laughs> the cubicle is a single, but you can go into one. You get where I'm coming from. So I choose my, I was up quite early and choose my cubicle, there's plenty empty. So I go in, close the door. And th these actually had a section in the front where you had a, a bit that you could hang all your stuff up. There was a little sort of seating area, wooden seating area, so you could pull your clothes on. And then there's the shower. So I get everything done. I'm, I'm in the shower. And oh, yes, brilliant. Christian Festival. Holy. Oh, in the head. Holy. No. Holy is the Lord. So I'm, I'm in there giving it my best worship song. I'm covered from head to foot in links. <laughs> and then the worst thing happens. The door opens. <laughs> this is not good. There was a young lad of about 17, and I'm sort of assuming that he's probably come along with the Truro Church, and he's got his Truro youth group on his front, and there's about four or five people behind him. He's opened the door to come in, and everybody, for me, it felt like there were about 200 people there. <laughs> so I sort of tried to cover myself up. He recoiled in shock. <laughs> I'd like to think it's just that there was a person in there, not that it was me. But he recoiled and sort of came down the steps, but the door that he tried to close when they set the showers up, I'm blaming it on this, they hadn't quite set the levels, and the door then reopened. <laughs> Mate, sort it out! <laughs> I had to go and shut the door up and realise that the lock hadn't gone into the particular thing. Anyway. I was exposed. Okay? And it's not a comfortable feeling to be exposed. Okay, this is, this is an example of physical exposure, but having our hearts exposed can also be quite uncomfortable. I believe that if we allow ourselves, our spirits, our hearts, to be fully exposed to God, then we can achieve or move closer to our God-intended nature. The book of Exodus, the journey out of slavery and oppression to the promised land, has spoken to me about being exposed. So there's a number of sort of mainstream themes in the book of Exodus. There's the call of Moses and his commission, the faithfulness of God, the promise of salvation, Passover lamb. But the word that I feel that I've been given by God is the word exposed. And a little bit of a sort of background to this, you know, when I, I mentioned, uh, you know, lovely Pastor Aid sort of said to me, how's it going with the preach and everything? I said, look, I've been given this word. Well, what's the word? So I said, well, I'm just slightly concerned because it's a bit of a difficult word in some respects. I don't want to make it too uh, much of a, of, a, of a farcical thing, but this is, this is the word exposed. And, and thankfully you didn't laugh. Too much <laughs> at that time, so thank you. The Israelites, they were exposed to God's will, exposed in the desert, 
exposed with no trust, exposed in leadership. Um, I found out how to use Keynote on my thing, so I've gone slightly crazy, I have to say, on a presentation. So bear with me. That took a long time to do. That took a little bit quicker. Okay. Let's read. So I'm going to read, we're going to go to Exodus 14. There'll be a Bible somewhere knocking about under your chair, or you may have brought your own one with you. And we're going to read, I'm reading from the NLT, so it'll be slightly different in yours, but this is Exodus 14, verse 1 to 4. Then the Lord gave these instructions to Moses. Order the Israelites to turn back and camp by P. Hahiroth between Migdol and the sea. Camp there along the shore, across from Baal Zephon. Then Pharaoh will think, the Israelites are confused. They are trapped in the wilderness. And once again I will harden Pharaoh's heart and he will chase after you. I have planned this in order to, to display my glory through Pharaoh and his whole army. After this, the Egyptians will know that I am the Lord. So the Israelites camped there as they were told. To, to really sort of get into the swing of where they were in, in their new freedom from slavery, to re-exposure to their old oppressors. We just have to look at the verses before. So, th chapter 13, verse, verse 20. The Israelites left Sukkoth and camped at Itham on the edge of the wilderness. The Lord went ahead of them. He guided them during the day with a pillar of cloud and he provided light at night with a pillar of fire. This allowed them to travel by day or by night, and the Lord did not remove the pillar of cloud or pillar of fire from its place in front of the people. We sung about that this morning in that bread of heaven, which was um, which was brilliant. Thanks, Bree. That's great. So imagine, if you can, how the Israelites would have felt. They'd finally been released from Pharaoh's charge. And on the journey leading them to the promised land, this could be a real liberating feeling. You would you'd quicken your step, I think. You would be quite excited. Then, giving even more security to the journey, God guides the Israelites with a pillar of cloud for the daytime and a pillar of fire to guide them at night. You, you definitely know that God was with you. But this is what catches my attention. God gives instruction to Moses to order the Israelites to turn back, to be exposed to Pharaoh and his army. Reason? There might be many potential reasons, but what jumped out at me from the scriptures is this. God wanted to display his glory. 
to an exposed people. The scripture tells us in verse 4 of chapter 14 that the Egyptians will know that I am the Lord. You know, there's a, a sort of a, a route to physical freedom that the Israelites were about to experience. But within that physical freedom came a spiritual freedom that could then allow a greater depth of connection with God. And this is something we can all experience as we expose ourselves to his love, his will and his Holy Spirit. I believe that the more exposed we become on our journey with God, the less baggage we take with us. Yeah? I'll say that again. I believe that the more exposed we become on our journey with God, the less baggage we take with us. So what does it look like to become more exposed to God? I don't know. I think it's different for every single one of us because God has an individual plan for each and every one of us. So it's going to look different for, for, for each individual. I simply know that the God that we serve wants the best for us. And if we simply lay ourselves open to his will, he will deliver what he wants to deliver. So here's the question. Do you want to be exposed before God? Well, I've got some breaking news. It's not your decision. It's not your decision. He sees everything anyway. So that might make it easier for us to comprehend how we, we can't hide anything from him. He sees it all. And I think that can be liberating in itself. Hebrews 4, verse 13. Let's go to Hebrews. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God. Everything is naked and exposed before his eyes, and he is the one to whom we are accountable. Now this whole exposing business, let me just put that up and then we can have that behind us. This whole sort of exposing business could be slightly difficult to accept. So, let me explain. Let me explain. This, uh, I'll put this back. So, many of you here will know that my, my day job is, um, is as a vet, a veterinary surgeon. And one of the things that I use pretty much every day, because we, we operate, is a surgical kit. So, this is what a surgical kit is. Uh, this is all sterile in here. So, when we're, when we're about to carry out surgery, you get one of these kits and it's got all your bits and bobs in that you might use for, for whatever operation you're doing. So if I undo this, there's lots and lots of different things in here, hopefully. There's clampy bits, these ones. Yeah, grippers, another technical term. I, I used to get a little bit told off actually, Liz nurse for me, and I, I'd sort of try to make every, well not feel, but I, I, 
they, they, all of these have got names, like really Rochester pins and uh, Alice tissue forceps. But I like to call them grippers, clamps, tweezery things. Then everybody knows what we're talking about. There's no need for sort of any confusion. So, the things that I use most in this kit are these forceps, tweezery things, and scissors, cutting things. You see, for instance, as an example, if we had a, a broken bone, so I've broken my humerus, like the top part of my arm. Now, if I had this in a dog, I would have to go through the skin, we'd make an incision, and then we gently would do what's called blunt dissect. So we, we gently use the scissors, we don't just cut down in to get into where we need to be, we very carefully blunt dissect, these have got curved ends on them, so the end is actually blunt. Because if you had something sharp, you could do some more damage. If you start sticking something in that's going to be sharp, you could puncture vessels, you could inadvertently cut nerves, and then we're in, you know, we're in fairly big trouble. So these are, are put in, and then they're opened, and as they open, they separate out muscle bellies, and we can get down to where we need to be. We can, we can expose the area that's broken. We can expose brokenness. I believe that God is the most delicate surgeon available when it comes to making good some of our brokenness within our hearts, within our spirits. When it comes to directing our heart conditions to a more God-centric route. Do you have to actively expose your spirit, your heart, on your own? Do you have to do that? Well, yes, to a degree, but God has provided you with a body of brothers and sisters. That's us lot. Something we've recently done in our home group is to have a, a sort of a practical way um, in which we can have some accountability. Quite important. We explored praying together about things that we might need some help with or something that we might want to change in our lives, something that we feel might be holding us back from reaching the, poten the potential that God has given us. So we, as small groups, prayed into that. And it's, it, to physically pray out in words is, is quite liberating. So just as a, as a quick, I'd sort of say, seek prayer with somebody you trust if you want to expose yourself more to God, because putting that out there in prayer is directly to God, um, and, and he, can, he can surgically help with your heart and your spirit. But I would encourage you, find somebody on the leadership team, on the prayer team, find your home group leaders, um, and pray. So just before we leave this word concerning exposure, I wanted to just look at Pharaoh. So his heart remained hard, even though he was able to see the power of God. He didn't want his heart to soften. He didn't want to become affected by what God was able to do. 
And I'm going to leave that for you guys to work out whether you think that's a wise thing to do or not. Okay, so there you go. The exposure that we witness in verses 1 to 4 is God's plan to show the Israelites his power and how he is able, and boy is he able, to be active to save. Amen? You see, the journey after crossing of the, the Red Sea with the Israelites in the wilderness was completing his plan to free his people. So how does God give comfort in our vulnerable state, in our exposed state? He's a, he's a, he's a loving God, right? He's a good father, yeah? Well, I'll tell you how. Through the words of Moses, God gives this assurance. Reaching for his Bible again. Here we go. So if we go um, Exodus 4, uh, sorry, Exodus 14, just after this passage, we get to verses 13 and 14. Moses says this. Oh, he doesn't say that. I'll come back to that bit. He says this, but Moses told the people, don't be afraid. Just stand still and watch the Lord rescue you today. The Egyptians you see today will never be seen again. The Lord himself will fight for you. Just stay calm. So that's pretty reassuring, isn't it? To know that he's there to fight for you. So let's look at why. Why did God want to lead the Israelites to this position? You kind of think they're, they're going out. What, what was it all about? So often in scripture, you have to track back to see why. So let's go back. Remember, God wanted to free the Israelites so they would be able to, well, let's see. So that they would be able to, if we go to chapter 7, verse 16, this is the plague of blood. Chapter 7, verse 16, let my people go so that they can worship me in the wilderness. Plague of frogs, chapter 8, verse 1, then the Lord said to Moses, go back to Pharaoh and announce to him, this is what the Lord says, let my people go so they can worship me. Plague of Flies, chapter 8, verse 20. Let my people go so they can worship me. Plague against livestock, chapter 9, verse 1. Go back to Pharaoh. The Lord commanded Moses, tell him, this is what the God of the Hebrews says. Let my people go so they can worship me. Do you get the picture? Is God saying this loud and clearly? Is it fairly standard? Fast forward to... Chapter 12, verse 31, Pharaoh sent for Moses. Moses hadn't had to go to Pharaoh. Pharaoh sent for Moses and Aaron during the night. Get out, he ordered. Leave my people and take the rest of the Israelites with you. Go and worship the Lord as you have requested. So it seemed pretty apt to me, this was coming out fairly loud and clear, that we probably ought to look at what worship is. Okay? Because 
God seemed to be pretty persistent about wanting this to happen. And we had a brilliant time of worship this morning, didn't we? That was, that was beautiful. Thank you, Fee and the band. We were singing songs of worship. Singing. Sometimes I think we become, this might just be me, so I'm not, you know, I'm just, this is a personal thing, that we become slightly too familiar with some of the worship songs that we sing. And we can almost sometimes go on to autopilot. I had to really rein it in this morning with Bread of Heaven simply because I felt that I was at the Millennium Stadium. <laughs> it was Wales, England. Come on, Wales. Come on. Yeah, yeah. Come on, Wales. I had to rein it in. I had to think, what am I singing? What are the words that I am speaking out, that I am singing out to God? These words that we lift up to the Lord in sung worship are amazing truths. God is central, and our hearts should reflect that. Focus on every word that we sing out. Something I've done a couple of times is just to read worship songs, not, and to try not to have the music in my mind, to read. And there are some beautiful, beautiful words when we, when we break it down. Worship is the act of giving your whole life, surrendering your all, to God. Everything we do, everything our hearts can and should be an act of worship. So here we go. I've tried to give us some practical ways in which we maybe can refocus our worship and some life applications that might be of help to us to worship in as complete a way as possible. So I think, oh, that we, we can skip that one. We've done that. Here we go. Ooh, worship. Prayer. So how much of our prayer is about us and how much of our prayer is about God? We only have to look at what Jesus taught us about prayer. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. It's a statement of worship right at the tip of the prayer. It's a statement of acknowledgement. Sometimes it's prayer can almost be a shopping list and we don't, we don't want it to be that. We want to, we want to speak to God, we want to ask him for things, but we want to commune with him. We want our hearts to meet with his heart. We want to show him that we want to be with him. Read the Bible. All scripture is God-breathed. It is truth. John 4, 23 and 24, the words of Jesus. But the time is coming, indeed it is here now, when true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. The Father is looking for those who will worship him in that way. For God is spirit. For those who worship him, must worship in spirit and truth. The Bible is truth, so we can worship him through that truth. And if you look at the verse before, we read um, Hebrews 4, um, we read from that, uh, verse 13. If you look at the verse before, it says this, verse 12. 
For the word of God is alive and powerful. It is sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword, cutting between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow. It exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. So we, we really can um, interact with God and worship him through reading the Bible. Obey God. God may speak to you audibly. He may speak to you in spirit. Listen for him. Listen for those, those tiny moments when he does speak to you. And then when he does, act on it. Don't let stuff, all the stuff that we have to deal with through the day, don't let bits and bobs get in the way. Don't be distracted. Don't take your eye off the ball. Worship him with obedience. Tithing. Giving financially to the church. This, is, this can be difficult. But it's an act of worship. You know, when we went through, when we did Sermon on the Mount, we went through tithing. What it's, I think Fraser preached on that. It, it's, it's an important thing. Matthew 6, 21. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So it's, it's more about our hearts. It's more about where we are with that than, than anything else. Serve each other. As we serve one another, we're really serving God. Matthew 25, verse 40, when you did to it to the least of my brothers and sisters, you did it to me. It pleases God when he sees us using our servant heart that he's given us to honour him, to worship him. And the last one on here is share your faith with others. John Piper wrote this, this caught my eye. Missions exist because worship doesn't. God wants every person on this planet to worship him. Not because he's some egotistical uh, being that just wants us all to, 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 just, to just be under his authority. No, it's because he's made us in such a way. He's designed us to worship him in a loving way. He's a loving father. He wants the best for us. That's why we should worship him. And what we did on July the 2nd with our festival, highlighting the name of Christ in our town, was essentially an act of worship, which is great. We lifted up his name. We said, we're here for Jesus Christ. Okay. So there you go. I hope this has sort of helped to nudge us as a church, as a collective people, to try and um, be more exposed to God, to be open to his plans, what he, these plans that he has for us. We just have to kind of get into his, uh, his lane on, on, on the highway, as it were. And to be being open to thinking a little bit differently, maybe, about how we worship. I'll, I'll be really honest. I, when we worship for me, until I started looking into this, and this is how it starts to, to liven you up, it's just sung worship. But it's not. It's every single thing we do. Everything we do is really important that we hold that in our hearts and that we, we praise God. We worship him. 